Welcome to Wisdom at the Crossroads. I'm your host, Amanda Onchalenko, and I'm excited to invite you into my studio practice remotely. Together, let's pause the rhythm of the day as we dive into the backstories of an artistic life, my life, exploring lessons learned through creativity and inspiration. So get yourself a beverage and let's settle in for a short while as we reflect on how some of my favourite paintings have evolved and what wisdom I have found at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Thank you for joining me. I hope you find something that resonates for you in today's journey through the backstories of my studio practice. Today I'd like to introduce you to Nostrum and Curative, a pair of 30 by 40 inch acrylic paintings on panel that we have nicknamed Emma's Blue Pair. It could be the Australian coming out in us, or maybe it's because her collection is so vast it is simpler to reduce things down to slang terms. Whatever we call them, this pair is a reminder of a point in time and place. They offered a little bit of colour magic then as I worked on them in my largest and coldest studio in Winnipeg's historic exchange district through the depths of a winter. Their names evolved out of a conversation with my photographer, who happens to be the most well-read person I have ever known. Photographing my work in batches on the third floor then was a simple commute in the freight elevator that always inspired an interesting discussion on music, literature or the farmer's almanac and without fail planted at least a few title seeds in every batch. You may have visited one or other of my studio spaces over the years but if we've only met over the airwaves today's description of my artist studio might be all the curative you need to squash any romanticised notion you might have harboured about a creative workspace. A studio is essentially an office that is a bit more forgiving than the regular 9-to-5 vibe. It is often flexible in its finishes, if it has any, and may or may not come with access to water or other amenities. Some studios are large, some are tiny. My studio neighbours have been great if I don't count the teenage child of my across-the-hall neighbours toking a joint over the lunch hour, or the ping-pong table that moved in to the other side of my painting wall in my very first space, but I have always been grateful for the opportunity to have a space to create in at all. My current space is my smallest ever, yet it is also the warmest studio I have inhabited, and in the depths of a Canadian winter, an appropriately heated workspace is worth the price of admission. I definitely won't be going back to the antique groove in lieu of amenities anytime soon. If you love the idea of an expansive loft-style studio and can handle heavy traffic, emergency sirens all day, and a breeze on your side of the brickwork, then Studio 211 would definitely be the one for you. The space featured all the charm of exposed blonde brickwork, common to structures built at the turn of the 20th century. It had massive exposed timber post and beam construction and intoxicating light. All of this 800 square foot space came with massive single pane windows that are fine in a more moderate climate, but in downtown Winnipeg when the elements are invited in, she gets pretty cold. So cold that my paints and water buckets left too close to a window on an exterior wall would freeze overnight. And it wouldn't take all night to do that. The frost on the glass in January was not the arc of white spray paint added to the window panes on the set of a Hallmark Christmas movie, but the real deal that could get so thick the window was opaque. I actually found the patterns formed by frost fascinating, 
and have dye sublimated those frosty images onto fabric for part of a textile body of work I exhibited in 2020. There's a bright side to everything, right? Sometimes we just have to look a little harder to find it. About half the 800 square feet in Studio 211 really weren't habitable for large chunks of the year. So all of my active workspaces were centred around interior walls that were the furthest away from the beautiful natural light that had inspired me to move into the space in the first place. Brickwork might add character to loft living, but so too does actual heat. The brick exterior walls would definitely have been more useful with the addition of the insulating factor of drywall. Drywall would also have added flexibility for the hanging of artwork. Maybe then I would not have needed to pierce the already fragile mortar rows with nails so large they were almost a javelin. Picture hanging on a wall in that space required something sturdy enough to prevent the paintings from being bounced off the wall as buses or ambulances rolled down McDermott Avenue. The hundred-year-old walls were not that sturdy. I became deaf to emergency sirens during those years in much the same way that someone living along a train line acclimatises to the constant rattle of a passing train. My original studio, the one next to the ping-pong tournament, was also on the second floor. A forward-thinking previous tenant had painted the ceiling boards white. This made for beautiful reflective light, perfect for a painting studio. 211 was a much bigger undertaking, so instead of painting the ceiling above the entire space, when the landlord declined my request, I installed 4 foot by 8 foot laminated masonite panels above my painting wall and created a similar though modified reflective effect. Paper fabric might also have done the trick. I highly recommend trying this out if you are looking to improve the quality of light in your workspace. I did have lots of space to spread out in, in that downtown studio, and that was a huge advantage, particularly so when I was in textile mode, constructing an art quilt or composing mini quilt gems from my precious scrap bags. Emma's pair Nostrum and Curative were witness to the unique world of my studio at the time. Like many paintings, they spent time on the paint wall opposite the breezy windows in the path of the north wind. There they got to take in the entire activity. They saw many compositions grow in silk and maybe even raised a painterly eyebrow as they observed fabric fragments accumulate into deep piles at my feet. I know it looked bad if you happened to wander in on a particularly intense creative episode, but sometimes I like everything in view. You never know what tiny square of former necktie or printed silk remnant might be the final piece in a colourful puzzle in fibre. These two paintings, Nostrum and Curative, have been in residence in our younger daughter's basement suite for several years. They're pretty adaptable down there and have been hung as intended and sometimes in reverse just to change things up. COVID has taught us to be flexible like that. The composition works either way as a diptych which is not simply an image spread across a pair of panels. Both panels are independent compositions in their own right, and together they create a third composition when paired, or a fourth even when reversed, as in this case. Right now my daughter wakes up to this graphic duo, hung as they were painted, as a conversation between two groups of characters. There is a central park of light limes and creamy lemons that balance out the intensity of Golden's pyrrole red and orange that competes with cobalt and brilliant blue. When I painted them in the depths of a Canadian winter, the strong colours were an antidote to winter's white, and I felt they had an underwater vibe that put me in mind of sea kelp in tethered motion. I may have been wishfully thinking of dreaming of Mexico or maybe an Australian beach at the time.
Whatever tropical location I was channeling then, the pair evolved into a fictitious garden that is open to interpretation for the viewer and the variations perceived in their setting. Photographing them on my fence for the blog post, they looked quite different than they do in my daughter's space, where they hang as the backdrop seen through the structure of her swinging basket chair. They make an exceptional background to Zoom meetings from this perspective in the prototypical pandemic student's office. I love how art, like music, plays a role in the backdrop or soundtrack of our lives. Revisiting them now for this project has taken me back to the energy of my former studio space and the other players that grew out of that creative period. I like to paint in multiples because of the challenge of doing so and also because they allow me to paint large and still be able to wrestle them into my car. A pair like this diptych are fun to work with and easy to live with. 30 by 40 inches is a comfortable size to paint. Generous, meaning the size and shape gives me room to physically get into it as they hang on my painting wall, while not being too big that they are too heavy to lift and carry or what I usually call schlepping. This week at the studio saw the season change virtually overnight and paintings that had bloomed over the winter wrapping up. I've been doing a lot of schlepping this week, delivering commissioned options for trial and then for adoption into their forever homes. I love to see my work loved and I'm also fascinated by the decision-making process of my clients. Bare Necessities and Tina's Garden will get a moment in the blog show notes to give you a little insight into what is currently growing on my paint wall. After all that schlepping though, in changeable weather, it feels like I might end my week with a visit to the chiropractor after my swim at the Y. Podcasting might be more intense when it comes to technology and writing, and even speaking, but it does not involve negotiating a squalling wind gust in a parking lot with a four-foot square panel acting as a sail. Wrestling something like that into the back of an SUV is also a story. Clearly there are pros and cons to everything. I have missed painting this week as I juggled other parts of my studio practice, but I have enjoyed reconnecting with clients and friends in the balance. Now that the rain and snow have abated, fingers crossed, I'm planning on taking a day or two to reacquaint with the earth in my perennial garden in preparation for an emerging new season of inspiration. A new season inspires change and sometimes a little cleanse. The strong colour story in the pair of paintings Nostrum and Curative featured in this episode have me inspired to share one of my favourite meditations with you. It is one I return to regularly as it features colour and is a way I can personally regulate my energy centres or chakras for a new season. I keep the traditional colour pattern of the chakra column that rises through red, orange and yellow to green, light blue, dark blue and finally to purple at the summit of the crown chakra in mind as I do it. I am consistent each time in adhering to a process, but the stones and crystals I visualize might vary depending on where I am and how I am feeling. The stones I will mention in today's practice are just one option to consider when clearing your chakra column in meditation. I hope you'll find this one helpful. This meditation today is just a little longer than usual as we take in the seven chakras and the seven stones that are emblematic of these energy centers. So find yourself a comfortable spot seated or reclined, supported if necessary, somewhere where you won't be disturbed for the next few minutes. 
begin to focus a few moments on your breath as you remove yourself from the activity of your day to be still for just a little while. Close your eyes as you focus on the rhythm of your breath, breathing in and breathing out. Try to remember to breathe in fully to expand and round out the chest. Then exhale fully so there is no air left to inflate the belly. Follow your own rhythm, expanding with the inhale and deflating with the exhale. Remember to simply be you, breathing at your own pace, yet aware of fully enunciating the process. To begin, I'd like to invite you to imagine a ball of energy that exists at the base of the spine, the root chakra. This energy center grounds us to the earth in our physical bodies. My visual today begins with the rich, deep red of the root chakra and the energy of garnet, a stone of manifestation that helps to keep us grounded and soothes negative emotions. With each breath we focus on this energy center, the stone rotates, inflates and is polished. Anything that is no longer required is removed and the surface is buffed to a smooth, clear finish, free of debris, with our continued focus and breath. Continue your breathing cycles while noticing the size of your root chakra as it expands to its optimal size. With regular and concentrated breaths, the polished garnet representative of your root chakra establishes itself upon a beautiful column of bright white light at its core. This light at its center is common to each of the energy centers. The light provides the structure for our colored tower of energy to build upon and expand as we cleanse and recharge our chakras with our focused breath. We'll move now to the orange color of the sacral chakra. With your focused breath, I invite you to imagine a ball of energy that exists between the pubic bone and the belly button. The sacral chakra will be represented today by the warm orange loving glow of carnelian, a stone that awakens our zest for life and stimulates creativity. With each breath, we focus on this energy center. The stone rotates, inflates, and is polished. Anything that is no longer required is removed, and the surface is buffed to a smooth, clear finish, free of debris, and expanding with our intentional focus and amplifying its positive effects. Notice the size of your sacral chakra as it expands. With regular, concentrated breaths, the polished carnelian established itself upon a beautiful column of bright white light at its core. This light at the core of the energy centers 
or chakras is where our visual tower connects and grows. We'll continue on with the warm lemon yellow of citrine at the solar plexus chakra, home of our gut reactions. Citrine has a beautiful positive energy that aids with purification and improved digestion. Feel yourself ease here as you focus your breath and attention on the color yellow. With each breath, we focus on this energy center. The stone rotates and is polished. Anything that is no longer required is removed and the surface is buffed to a smooth, clear finish, free of debris, getting progressively smoother and clearer with our continued breath and focus. Continue with your full and expansive inhales and complete deflating exhales as you notice the size of your solar plexus as it expands. With regular concentrated breaths, the polished orb of citrine establishes itself upon a beautiful column of bright white light. The light at the core provides the structure for our coloured tower of energy to build, refresh and expand as we cleanse and recharge each of our chakras in turn. Our tower includes the deep red of garnet, the smooth warm orange of carnelian and the clear pale lemon of citrine. The heart chakra follows in sequence and is activated by the colour green, abundant in our natural world. If you have ever wondered why getting outside to experience nature is encouraged, this is why. Next, we'll invite the smooth mid-green of adventurine into our thoughts as we focus on the breath. Breathing in fully and exhaling fully, we invite the general well-being and emotional calm of this heart stone to expand at our heart chakra. Visualize the rotation and expansion supported by your intentional breath. With regular, concentrated breaths, the polished orb of adventurine joins the growing tower of coloured rotating orbs that combine their energy into a beautiful column of bright white light. Light blue is representative of the throat chakra. Today we'll be mindful of blue lace agate of the Chalcedony family. This delicate yet highly spiritual soothing stone brings peace and calm to our practice today. With each breath we focus on the throat chakra. We can imagine our words being heard. As the blue lace agate orb rotates and is polished, anything that is no longer required is removed and the surface is buffed to a smooth, clear finish that becomes smoother, clearer and more expansive with our continued breath and focus. With 
Let's continue now to the third eye chakra in the center of the forehead. The rich dark cobalt blue we find in lapis lazuli, loved by the ancients, has been associated with strength and wisdom. This rich deep blue inspires vision in all directions and helps to instill confidence. Notice the changes in your third eye chakra as it clears and grows more expansive. With regular, concentrated breaths, the polished orb of deep blue lapis establishes itself upon a beautiful column of bright white light. This light at the core is common to each of the energy centers or chakras. This light supports our tower of energy as we cleanse and recharge each of our chakras with our focused breath. The column that began with the rich, deep grounding energy of garnet, followed by the warm, earthy orange of carnelian, citrine's positivity, adventurine's anti-inflammatory effect, blue lace agate's calm and lapis lazuli's strength and confidence, continues to the final chakra at the crown, set just above the top of the head. This crown chakra connects us to the spiritual realm and is symbolized by the regal purple of amethyst or the clarity and conductivity of clear quartz. As you visualize the energy of amethyst rotating at its desired speed around a core of white light, allow the energy of amethyst to balance your system to assist with purification and protection while connecting us to the energy of the universe. Notice the size of your crown chakra as it grows with the focus of your breath. The rhythm of movement helps to polish the orb of amethyst and completes the tower of energy or chakras that support us in every moment of every day. Our energy centers are now cleared and expanded and offer us the benefits of the stones whose energy we have visualized in our practice today. Rest in place now for as long as you are able, inhaling and exhaling fully and consciously. When you are ready, I'd like to invite you to gently bring movement back to your physical system. Start small by rotating the wrists, then the ankles, and gradually opening your eyes to reacquaint with where you physically are. I wish you well as you return to the rhythm of your day. If you have some time, it might be nice to take to your journal to make note of any insight you have seen or felt during this meditative journey. Wherever your day takes you, I hope you now feel refreshed by this simple pause we have taken together. Be well and be inspired. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're able to find something that resonated for you as we journeyed through the backstories of art, life and inspiration together. Watch for new episodes to drop weekly on Tuesdays. I'll meet you there with your morning coffee or afternoon tea as we gather in my studio remotely. Unless, of course, you knock on my door or pop into my messages. 
Find me on Instagram at mandartcanada or on my website www.mandart.ca where you'll find show notes and images of the artworks we discuss on the podcast in the blog. Feel free to bring a friend or reach out with your questions or comments. I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I will look forward to joining with you again as we seek wisdom at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Take care. Bye now.